number 89 with me. My two co-hosts will never be typecasted. First off, we have Jess Duggs. Hello, everybody. This is Jess. We also have Brian Brillman. Ah, oh, types, types, baby has already been used or that gag was already used. Yeah, we used it in apps, apps, baby and really wrecked it because it's so much better as types, types, baby. It is. So for those not paying attention, this is part two of our types episodes. Uh, this one is based heavily on the last one. So if you did not listen to the uh, previous episode, you should go listen to that before listening to this one. On this one, so, we're... so what you're saying is that that was a types episode, and that this is like attached to that. Yeah, sure. It's well, like she... a subtype. Yes. Of the types episode. Okay. This should episode. We, should we wait for them to go listen? All right. I think it'll be an hour and a half. All right. So we'll just stop. Go listen. We'll we'll be here when you get back. It had a uh, Doctor Science from Card Advantage and Monday Night Magic on. You know, I just realized that if we had like a long pause, like we were actually waiting for them to go listen to the episode, that your silence remover thing would just strip that whole thing yeah, out. Yeah, I just edit it out, and I don't co- I don't go back and edit it in. So some jokes are ruined, the pacing. Um, but all jokes on this podcast were purely accidental. We did not mean to be funny. <laughs> no, there's no humor in judging. <laughs> no counts. humor in judging. No, we are extremely serious all the time. <laughs> yes, especially B Pro. Yes. I'd say let's dive right into subtypes, shall we? Yes, let's dash right into it, shall we? <laughs> I get it. Because the first note I put on here is that subtypes are what you see after the dash. So uh, say you have a legendary creature who is also a starfish. So it would be <laughs> legendary creature dash starfish. So its subtype is starfish. Um, subtypes always, they map back to a specific type. So in this case, starfish is a creature type. I have starfish on the head because in the new set, we have a second starfish we've ever had in magic ever. And that's very exciting. Yes. Spiny starfish has a brother. Finally. Someone cut him in half and he (laughs) grew into a whole separate starfish. And came to like scry or something. Well, I mean, wouldn't you? Because you want to know if you're going to be cut in half again. I guess. Anyway, so yeah, starfish, creature type. Uh, and then if you have a card asking you to to choose a subtype, you have to choose a, a legal type. So so like say if something said target, I love just correcting the show notes after I've already read that section. It's just so <laughs> important to him. It's really funny. Uh, he left an L out of example. Oh, no, you didn't use the Oxford comma. I oh. need to fix that. Oh. Um, if something asks you to choose a subtype, so say something asks you to choose a creature type, you can't choose forest because forest is not a creature type. You have to actually choose a creature type. So now we can dash into the um, specific subtypes for each type uh, that are worth talking about. Let's start with artifacts. Okay, so we have mono and poly. No. What? What? What were those? Were they super types when they existed? Were they types? Uh, no, they were just they were just way way back. Okay, so uh, back in Alpha, Beta, Arabian Nights, um, mono artifacts were artifacts that could only be used once a turn, and poly artifacts were artifacts that could be used multiple times per turn. Okay, they since changed them uh, so that they got rid of poly and mono and then just changed them to like use the tap and their activation cost if they were mono and then just a normal activated ability if they were poly. Right, but I'm saying those words, do they predate the type system or do you know? Well, I don't know. I'm sure they do. Sort yeah. of because we were using like summon Uncle Istvan and, yes. you know, summon Alibaba, you know, back Sad. then. So artifacts, uh, the big one, equipment. Equipment is a subtype of artifacts, and equipment has some rules baggage. Oot. Who wants to talk about equipment? Uh, okay, I will. So equipment uh, enters the battlefield 
just like any other artifact, blam, it, it lands on the battlefield. <clears throat> it's sitting there. Um, you can then uh, attach them to creatures using the equip keyword. Now, here's something that's kind of kind of interesting about a, a equipment is only equipment can equip uh, another another permanent or another creature. It can, uh, and if let's see here, if you somehow give an equipment a creature type or it becomes a creature, uh, it can't equip anything anymore. So if it loses its equipment type or it gains the type of creature, then it can't equip anymore. Uh, but uh, what you can do is anytime that you could cast a sorcery, uh, I think we decided or someone wrote in that at sorcery speed was a good uh, uh, mnemonic for this. Yes, ASS. ASS. So, <laughs> so um, um, anytime, anytime you could cast a sorcery or at sorcery speed, <laughs> um, you can uh, you can equip it, which the end result is it gets uh, uh, attached. Um, and there are, there are other things that can attach equipment to a creature. Um, let's see here. I already did equipment that's also a creature cannot attach to anything. Uh, if uh, something tries to attach equipment to something that's illegal, it just doesn't do it. Um, now, here's something that's also kind of neat about equi uh, equipment. So when we were talking about all the layers and stuff like that, so whenever you attach uh, an equipment to a creature, um, let's say... What's that? What's that new spoiled uh, uh, equipment? The plus three, plus three. Godsend. Yeah, Godsend. All right. Sword. Right. So if you and I'm this, hopefully this example is something that I'm just coming up with on on, on the fly. So hopefully this will work out when I'm done. But from a from a timestamp perspective, when you attach um, <clears throat> the equipment, now let's do something like it gives it trample, like one of the one of the mirrored ones where it gets like plus one, plus one, and trample. Uh, something horns of full shock battle. Let's, let's pick a card so that we could look it up, or the, oh, the listeners can look on. it up. Let's, uh, what's, uh, uh, I'm blanking here. I'm finally anyway, making it up. Well, I don't know where you're going with this, or I'd help you out. Okay, okay. Creature so here, gets plus one, plus one, and gains trample. Basically, yeah. There. Creature gets plus one, plus one, and gains trample. Okay. Boom. Okay, when you do the attach, when you do the equip, it gets that timestamp. Okay, the so it gained a trample at the time you did the equip. <clears throat> All right. Um, if for whatever reason you cannot re-equip to itself <clears throat> to reset the timestamp. That's going deep. It is, but it's but yeah, still yeah. so so <clears throat> hypothetical situation. You have bear cub out and you equip it with this hypothetical equipment. So now right now it's a three three with trample. They then play humility, right? So it's going to become a 1-1 one, one and lose all abilities. So in the end, it's going to be a 2-2, two, two, like it was born to be, because it's a bear cub. Uh, you cannot then, again, try to re-equip it to reset the timestamp. That doesn't work. Right, like if it gets hit with something that removes all of its abilities. Right. Um, you now can move it. That's not to say that you can't activate the ability to equip it again, right. which you can do. It just won't do anything when you when it resolves. And this is relevant if there's like an ice cage or something on it. Yep. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's cool. That's going deep. I like yep. it. And then uh, uh, if a, if the creature, uh, oh, well, you want to go deep, we can talk phasing and equipment. Ooh, no. no. Um, <laughs> we already had that um, episode. Yeah, so that already. if the equipped creature dies um, or becomes illegal to be attached, uh, 
uh, if the creature it's attaching to dies or somehow becomes uh, illegal, uh, the equipment just kind of falls off. Uh, it doesn't go to the graveyard. So it's basically, if you want to think of it as like a sword <laughs> and equipment, um, guy picks up the sword, the guy dies, sword falls to the ground, someone else can pick it up and fight with it. Or a living wall or, you know, wall of frost or something, you know, can pick up that sword and swing it. Um, a living wall is an artifact creature. It is an artifact creature. I had to go look it up. Yeah. That is a so, weird art. So there's also uh, another artifact subtype called fortification, um, which is basically it's the exact same thing as equipment, except it attaches to land instead of to creatures. So everything that we said above where it was like creature this, creature this, creature that, land this, land that for fortifications. Yep. The, the only <laughs> slight difference there is uh, if you make, turn a fortification into a land somehow, it can still attach to other lands. But if you turn a fortification into a creature, it cannot attach to a land anymore because creatures cannot attach to anything. Now I got to go look up. I got to go look. You know, I've never had to answer like a real rules question about fortification. Well, yeah, I mean, it's pretty difficult to come up with something. What I'm, I'm, yeah, to be clear, the fortification has to become a land or a creature. Uh, if if you had a, a dryad arbor, which is a land creature out, uh, the fortification could attach to that. That's no problem. Is it? Huh. Wow. And what's what's the card that it's on? Uh, Dark Steel. It's Dark Steel Garrison. Garrison. Dark Steel Garrison. All right. And then there's, I guess, there's one other type subtype. of subtype of artifact that's even less understood than fortification, <laughs> um, and that would be the contraption. Yes. Because you can assemble some uh, contraptions, I guess. Maybe. So on the future shifted card, Steam Flogger Boss. Steam Flogger Boss. It says other riggers creature, other rigger creatures you control get plus one, plus zero, oh, and have haste. If a rigger you control would assemble a contraption, it assembles two contraptions instead. This co card was entirely meant as a joke. It was not meant to be a real thing. Contraptions were not supposed to ever exist, but they decided, I guess, to make the card not completely illegal. Uh, they may decide to make contraption a artifact subtype. Um, right, even, because there is a card that references it, it has to exist in the rules. Yep, even though the word assemble actually does not mean anything in the rules. I don't think, let me see if it shows up in the CR at all. In fact, there are only two rigger creature type, or creatures in the game. That's well, fine. now, you're just, you're spoiling uh, uh, the returning mechanic for M15. Oh, my bad. No. Come on now. Forgot I wasn't supposed to mention that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Come on. Come on now, CJ. You're gonna have to edit that out. Us. Uh, us with our L3 powers. We know things. Yes. about We know things about. Future I know. Sets. They do tell Wait. you everything about a future yes. set. Yes. All Every, of it. All the time. Uh, all uh, <laughs> so the point is, although Mark Rosewater swears one day he will actually make contraptions work, uh, they kind of put themselves in a corner with it. And personally, I don't care if they never make it work. It sounds dumb, but it is technically an artifact subtype, so you can. You can stump your friends having them name the subtypes because they'll think they're clever when they get fortification. And then you're like, well, what about contraption? What about it? And you put on your top hat and your monocle and you do a little Charlie Chaplin shimmy out of the door. It does. It, does it's, it sounds very Yu-Gi-Oh to me. A contraption, yeah. S assembling a contraption. <laughs> we'll get into Yu-Gi-Oh when we get to the uh, instant and sorcery subtypes. Serious? Is that a spoiler? I actually don't know how to play Yu-Gi-Oh. You know what? We'll jump straight to them. Instant Sorceries, they share subtype list, and the two uh, subtypes are Arcane and Trap. And I think traps are a thing in Yu-Gi-Oh. Oh! So that's that's where we were a thing in Magic. Well, right, but I think they were a thing in Yu-Gi-Oh first. So 
that's all the instant sorcery subtypes. There's really nothing else to say about them. Arcane is you. They have no built-in rules meaning. Um, but arcane was used for splice onto arcane. Uh, basically, this is kind of a theme throughout this. If if you want other cards to be able to refer to like a class of cards, you have to give it a type or a subtype usually a subtype that they can refer to. So, for example, there was a card that let you, like, search your library for a trap card. Well, the only way that can work is if they have the type of trap. Yeah, they don't want to be like... Yeah, they don't want to be like, search your library for a card named Archive Trap or Mind Break Trap <laughs> or, you know, and just list all the traps. Uh, right. And then if they don't intend to make a card like that, then they don't give a subtype for things like that. Because uh, I know there's recently been a cycle of cards... Uh, I don't remember what they are, but uh, people are like, why didn't you make this blah, blah, blah stuff? Oh, the ordeals. People are like, why didn't you make these, you know, enchantment dash aura ordeal? And uh, the answer is there was no reason to. No one intended to make Quests. Quests. Come on now. Right. It's all the same thing. If they don't intend to, if they don't need to call out that card type, then they're not going to give it a subtype. You know, like Urza's. Oh, spoilers. Spoilers. So let's talk about enchantments auras in particular auras are great i love auras all right well you can talk about auras sure so uh auras always have an ability uh that is enchant this thing usually that that thing is a type it's a creature or a land or a an artifact or something um but it could be really really weird it doesn't necessarily have to be a permanent as there is something that enchants a card in a graveyard in fact i think there are two of those uh no Um, necromancy doesn't do that doesn't was it animate dead and then there's another isn't there another like spell weaver voltaires there is i believe there is one in future sight i don't remember what it is because it never sees play ah that's funny i didn't know about that uh there's one in future sight that enchants something in a graveyard and also leaves it in the graveyard which is really weird so it's a possibility but it's not something that you'll ever really see um unless you're doing a future sight draft in which case you can just look up that one card in fact if you're doing a future sight draft you should kind of look through all of them because there's so much um, but, uh, it's going to say like enchant creature or enchant land or enchant artifact. Enchant instant means... card in a graveyard. Yes. <laughs> so you can, uh, when you cast it, it has to have a target, uh, a legal target that is that type. Now there might be more restrictions. It might be enchant creature you control, in which case you can only target a creature you control. So really that's, that's a targeting restriction and it's a restriction on what it can actually be attached to. Um, so it's the only type of permanent card, uh, or Orazar, that can enchant some, or sorry, they can target something while they're on the stack. So like when you cast a creature, it can't target anything, and when you cast an artifact, it, it isn't targeting anything. But auras are an exception to this. They, uh, they can target something that they could legally enchant. But if the target becomes illegal somehow, it gains protection or it just goes away, uh, the, the aura will be countered on resolution unless it is a creature with bestow, in which case it will just enter the battlefield. Um, and the what's really interesting here is that the, the controller of an aura is not necessarily the controller of the permanent that it's attached to. So uh, if I cast, say, pacifism on your creature, pacifism says that the enchanted creature cannot attack or block, and it's an aura with the enchanted creature ability. Uh, if I cast pacifism on my opponent's creature, then my opponent still controls his creature, but I control that pacifism. Your devotion to white is one more. Ooh. That is true. Uh, and and it might even be when you attach it to their creature, it's probably physically on their side of on their playmat. Right. Okay. But you still you still uh you still own it. You still control it. 
uh, be sure to get it back at the end of the match. So, and where Game. where ours can get tricky is is people ask, you know, do I get the effect of this aura or or do they? And this uh, comes up a lot in Theros Limited with the ordeals that you mentioned earlier. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. that's a good one. Uh, so if if you uh, it comes up when you steal creatures, but let's simplify the example. Uh, if if I cast for whatever reason, I cast Ordeal of Thassa on my opponent's Grizzly Bear, then the or the the, the Grizzly Bear will attack. It's a two two, and every time it attacks, the Ordeal of Thassa will give it a plus one plus one counter. But I control the Ordeal, which means I control that triggered ability. Now that's not relevant because it does the same thing no matter who controls it until you put a third counter on it. In which case, the ability says sacrifice this Ordeal and draw. But I control it. So even though it's your creature that's attacking and gets a plus one, plus one counters, I'm the one that's going to get to draw off that trigger. Right. And you can compare that against something that said, like, enchanted creature gains lifelink. Well, in that case, the creature has the ability now. It has lifelink. Or that's uh, sometimes they do enchanted creature gains and then some triggered ability. Like, whenever this... Whenever deals damage, you gain that much yes. life. <laughs> Sometimes they do something like that. Once again, the creature has the ability. So you, you kind of have to pay attention. Um, are they saying the creature gains the ability or are they saying uh, the enchantment has that ability? Because sometimes the enchantment will say, whenever this creature attacks, do blah. Or whenever this creature deals damage, gain that much life. And sometimes it'll say enchanted creature has, whenever this creature deals damage, gain that much life. Like those are yeah. two different controllers. Yeah, so so, so Spirit spirit Link, um, I think that was... That was the card, right? Yeah, so this is the card. This is the card that Lifelink, the the ability Lifelink is based on. It says whenever enchanted cre, it's an enchantment. It's an aura. Whenever enchanted creature deals damage, you gain that much life. You are the owner or the controller rather of Spirit Link. So you can put it on your creature, and when it attacks and deals uh, deals damage, you gain life. Or you can put it on your opponent's creature, and when their creature deals damage, you gain that much life. So basically, it negates their attack. But if it said, if if the wording on the card is, enchanted creature gains lifelink, well then, the creature has lifelink. You control the ability that's giving it lifelink, but the creature has lifelink, so its controller is going to gain the life when it deals damage. So another thing that comes up with auras occasionally is this really weird situation where an aura enters the battlefield, but you didn't cast it. This used to come up uh, in Standard when Sun Titan was in the format. And, and one of the things that Sun Titan does is when it enters the battlefield, you return a permanent card that costs, that with converted mana cost three or less from your graveyard to the battlefield. And there was a trick that people used to use in Standard where they'd return a card called Deadweight. Deadweight is an aura that has enchant creature and enchanted creature gets minus two, minus two, or has minus two, minus two. Uh, well... In that particular era of standard, Geist of St. Trapped was an extremely common card. And it's a 2-2, uh, and it has Hexproof. So you can't target it with anything. So one of the tricks that the, the control decks, the Esper control decks of that era would use, is they would play Sun Titan to get a dead weight out of the graveyard. And then it would enter the battlefield. But since it wasn't on the stack, it didn't have a target. And you just have to put it into play attached to something that it can legally be attached to. Uh, well, legally attaching to something doesn't care about things like Shroud or Hexproof. So you could just slap it right on that Geist to St. Traft, even though it has Hexproof, and it would it would be dead because it gets minus two, minus two. Hey, Jess, yeah. question for you. What if I were to replace Hexproof with protection from black? That's a great question. Um, <laughs> if... 
you were to do that and the only creatures on the boards board are the ones in my example, then once I've chosen Deadweight, I will have to put it on my Sun Titan because that is the only thing it can legally be attached to. And what if the Sun I Titan... I cannot go... Yes, you can't. You don't just go, well, I'm going to put it on your Geist. Oh, it falls off. That doesn't happen. Right. right. What happens if they all have protection from black? Then it just stays in the graveyard. What? So it just stays where it is. It doesn't even enter and fall off, which, I, which is an important distinction. Yep. Yep. That is true. Uh, it does not enter the battlefield. It doesn't leave the graveyard. It just stays where it is. Yep. That's pretty much, I think that's all the common stuff you're ever going to come up with about auras. Yes. Uh, there are a few really strange things that can happen uh, with like, if an aura is somehow enchanting itself, it's put in a graveyard. There's a rule for that. I don't even know how to make that work. Me neither. Uh, if... Probably Lissids. <laughs> probably. Yeah. Just, just throwing that out there as a possibility yeah it's it's probably never gonna come up so i'm not really gonna discuss that much but like if if uh one that can happen is if it becomes a creature while it's attached to something um then what actually does it just stays a creature on the battlefield right no it's put it's put in the graveyard but still has uh spoiled us so if an enchantment that is enchanting something becomes a creature it is put into the graveyard yeah because now it's a enchantment um creature aura so it has, and an aura yeah. can't exist if it's not attached to something oh oh so it's more, not so so okay let me sorry yeah let me rephrase that if it becomes a creature in addition to also being an aura yes then it will go to the graveyard that is correct yes if yes. it becomes just a creature and loses the type aura it becomes it will stay on the battlefield. yes yeah. that, that was my mistake i should have written that a little more clearly so, um, okay i was just i was confused because i was thinking of replacing the type instead of adding one yeah, yeah. and um, and that was that was my bad so yeah, those are two slightly different scenarios. And the reason that it would go to the graveyard is because uh, if it's a creature, it can't be attached, but it still has the enchant this ability. And if it's not enchanting that, well, it's it's just dead. Um, and there's also a thing about attaching it to more than one thing at a time. If that somehow happens, you get to choose what it gets attached to. Yeah, I think uh, it probably involves like doubling season and somehow making tokens of enchantments. <laughs> sure. I don't know, sure. I'm guessing. Um, so, uh, no, this can happen. There, there are some things that, like, uh, when a creature comes into play... Living Weapon can do it with doubling seas. Yeah, so that's actually a really good example. Um, so the Living Weapon ability, which is on cards like Batter Skull and Mortar Pod, uh, puts a token into play and attaches this equipment to it. And if you manage to put two tokens into play, it tries to attach it to both of them, and you get to choose one. Uh, there are two subtypes... Uh, uh, no, are those subtypes? I'm not even sure. They are curse and shrine. Yeah, yep. curse and shrine are. Yeah. Yeah. This is so, this so is a complete listing. Subtypes for enchantments. Um, they they don't have any rules meaning. They are just labeled on the cards so you can reference them. Curses always enchant player. Uh, shrines have their own unique stuff. Yeah, they uh, look for other shrines. What's that? They look for other shrines. That's what shrines do. Right. Basically, yeah. Anyway, it, they they are typed such because there are things that can look for them or do things with them. Um. Other than that, other other enchantment stuff we already covered since this episode is just about subtypes. We are discussing only auras. If you want to know more about enchantments in general, you can jump back to our last episode, episode 81. And, or I'm sorry, 80, 88, not 81. <laughs> Aura uh, world enchantments. Oh, boy. <laughs> and yes. learn about all the random enchantment stuff that can happen. So, so I want to, before we move into land, I want to do one thing for the EDH guys. All right. All right. There, there is, there's a card that some of you guys 
who are jerks like to play called Warp World. I used to have a Warp World Allies, Allies deck. You're a jerk. It was awesome. Um, so Warp World wording is each player shuffles all permanents he or she controls into his or her library, then reveals that many cards from the top of his library. So you get rid of everything, all your permanents, and you start revealing top cards of your um, that many cards. However many permanents you put in, you reveal that many cards. Each player puts all artifacts, creatures, and land cards revealed this way onto the battlefield. Then you do the same for enchantment cards. And the reason it does it that way, it does all artifacts, creatures, and lands. Then once that's done, it does enchantments is because of auras. Because if you put them all in simultaneously, then the auras would basically have to stay where they were, which is uh, uh, in your library. And I don't think most people would figure that out. And most people would not figure that out. So just a, a, a I'll say a, a funzy uh, application of that rule uh, is warp is is illustrated in Warp World. Lands. So there are five basic land subtypes. I think everybody knows them. Forest, Mountain, Island, Plain, Swamp. Uh, if if a land has this subtype, it means it has the ability to tap and add a mana of whatever type that land uh, that basic land type would normally produce. So. A forest, if if a land is a land-forest, it can tap to add a green to your mana pool. Even if it doesn't say those words, they are just assumed to be on there. Um, it's tied It's tied to the type. Forests make tap for green mana. Yep. Uh, you know, and, and similarly, if something is a forest mountain, it has both of the, the abilities. Giving a land a land subtype does not make it a basic land, and we covered this a little bit last time, but it has to still say basic land forest to be a basic land. You can be a land forest and not basic. The other subtypes, I'm just going to list them. They are not um, that important. Well, I guess Brian wants to talk about Urzus for some reason, but... Uh, the other subtypes are Desert, the card so strong that there is a camel meant specifically to fight against it. Um, yes. With the, uh, I think all creatures banding with them have protection from deserts. From deserts. <laughs> yes. Uh, what does a desert do? What does a desert do? Taps to deal one damage to an attacking creature, I think. I think it's after it's dealt its damage, isn't it? Oh, really? I don't. Is it? Is it that bad? You look it up while I talk about gates. Gates are a pretty new one. I think most people are going to be familiar with gates. Um, layers. I, layers are before my time. I've never been too clear what a layer is. Activate. Uh, it was a tri land that uh, you had to return a non-layer land to uh, your hand. So basically, it 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 references itself through exclusion. Hmm. Um, so deserts. Uh, deserts tap. Deserts deal one damage target attacking creature. Activate this ability only during the end of combat step. Weird. Why yes. didn't they like? Why didn't they just say? protection from cards named desert i don't know why because there's only one card with the type desert because they didn't know back and that's then. desert anyway um locus which is a glimmer post and cloud post um so then there's mine power plant with a dash in it tower and my personal favorite urzas <laughs> i love these um i think a lot of these come from the fact that so this is obviously for the the urzatron the uh, urzas mine urzas power plant and urzas tower um i I think part of the issue was here was a type can't be two words so i think that's why at some point they added power plant with a dash and then they had to add they're kind of in a corner and had to add urza's apostrophe s as a subtype yeah so so way back in the day uh birds of paradise used to say summon mana birds that was its <laughs> type line wow. so they came up they came up with the rule that said well if it says something like that then each word is its type 
so people people would argue well since it's summoned mana birds and each word is its type that means birds of paradise is a type or has a subtype of mana does that mean it's a land silly that happened those those arguments happened i'm sure frequently back in 1995 Sure. You're showing your age again, Brian. We were so dumb back then. Uh, All right. Uh, we can actually right. uh, rush through the rest of the subtypes real easily here. So Planeswalker subtypes, we already talked about them last episode. Um, but basically, if two Planeswalkers that you control have the same subtype, so Jace or Chandra or Liliana, uh, you as the controller must choose one and put the rest into the graveyard. We already covered instant sorcery subtypes, which are only arcane and trap. And creature slash tribal subtypes. There's no way in the world we're going through all of them. Um, the only thing worth mentioning is some used to have rules meaning. Now none have rules meaning. Um, so walls in particular used to, if a creature was a wall, it was assumed it had defender. Now they explicitly have defender and being a wall does not necessarily make a card have defender. Um, and then legend used to be a creature type with all the baggage that came with that. But now it's a super type. So it got a real upgrade. So so here's a here's a, a trivia question for the listeners. So you can message us on Facebook or tweet us or anything like that. So out of the creature types, there are a few creature types that are not actually uh, uh, on creature cards or, or rather not on the type line of the creature card. I know one. Uh, what, can you give us an example, CJ? Saperling. Saperling. Uh, I think another one is, well, I don't want to say. Yeah, because I don't know how many okay. there are, but I just know that one. Right. Um, so tweet tweet us uh, uh, at JudgeCast. Uh, message us on Facebook or post it on our Facebook wall. Uh, your type, your creature uh, uh, type or subtype that is does not appear on the type line of a creature card. I'm also kind of curious of how many have only one creature card um so like we talked about earlier starfish was one of them uh, but now is no longer uh yeah i, I think there are others still though um uh, Ant- assembly, assembly worker anteater actually is one of them is it yep i know assembly i know assembly dash worker is one hey that's another one where it used to be they had to make a dash because it used to be the two types but yeah, there was a card in uh, one of the future site blocks that actually is an assembly worker, and then there's like two two uh, two land cards, uh, one that becomes an assembly worker and one that makes assembly worker tokens. Yep, yep, and that that is another one. So we just knocked out two. I'm surprised yep. they're they're sitting on that anteater creature type because the creature that has it is an anteater beast, and it's like you guys are halfway to just making it a beast. Just just finish the deal it's probably because somebody's like in in development is just laughing at the creature type anteater i mean that's probably why starfish lasted as long as it did right really um so that is actually uh a comprehensive list of the subtypes um we did not skip any except for creatures and tribal um whereas they are every type you can ever think about subtype creature type so not forest not artifact not six snow but uh teenage no mutant ninja turtle is three creature types but not teenage all right so let's get into what happens when we start messing with these types when we start changing them adding them removing them elder is a type though so you could have elder mutant ninja turtle oh nice you could have elder mutant ninja rat i guess for splinter you could have a citizen citizen mutant ninja turtle that's after they retire you know they're just now sitting you know like citizen turtle <laughs> citizen turtle. 
Uh, every creature type is listed in the rules, though, because, like we said earlier, when you have to name a creature type or whatever, you do have to actually name a real one. So they had to be listed somewhere. They didn't. They don't expect you to just go through, gather, and be like, make your own list. And something else I don't like, worm and worm are creature types. Well, they're two different things. I know, but they're... they're... <laughs> <laughs> to, to clarify, he means worm, W-O-R-M, and worm, W-U-R-M. If I had my way, W-Y-R-M would be in there, too. Right, sure. Just make things even harder. This is CJ. Yeah, we're making this we're making this card advantage to flavor, you know, flavor cast 2.0. Oh, sorry. Now I'm lost looking at creature types. Lamassu. Yeah. yeah. Org is in there oh. for your org. Yeah, there's camel. <laughs> prism. Prism. prism is a creature type. Prism, prism is a creature type. Yeah, there's a, I think it's Kaleidoscope makes zero one prism tokens. Oh, uh, yes. I used to yeah. love that. Card. Oh, oh, I just ruined the answer to one of our. Yes, that's another one. Yes. There are, all right. Uh, two camels in magic, by the way. But anyway. All right. What's the camel? Huh? What's the second camel? Yeah, it's a uh, Dromad Purebred, which is annoying because it's a Ravnica card and it was printed as just a beast. And then some at some point somebody added camel to it. And I'm a little upset about that one. Because like that one was late enough that it didn't need to have its type change. <laughs> I can just okay, hold on. Can you imagine? Okay, I I don't know. I'm just picturing at my work, just people sitting around a conference table, and someone bringing up the what was the card name? Drama Don Dromad Purebred. Yeah, Dromad Purebred. Someone bringing up guys. I have a very serious topic. Dromad Purebred. Um, really? Uh, I think this needs to be a camel. And then them having a discussion, <laughs> making an argument about whether or not it should be a camel, and then finally someone making the call. So, like, is that a hump? I mean, he's more of a llama to me, if anything. Right, exactly. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I don't know why this one's a camel, but whatever. Okay. Because camels are cool. Camels are real cool. So let's say you took that, uh, that dromad, uh, purebred and you cast a spell that made it legendary what would happen it becomes a legendary camel legendary creature camel beast camel beast camel oh it's a camel beast okay right so so changing a super type or adding a super type uh does not change any of the other types subtypes or it actually doesn't change any of the super types either so if it was already a snow basic land and you made it legendary it would be a snow basic legendary land yep forest so that's snow legendary land Uh... (laughs) snow legendary land so super types are easy there's really nothing more to say about it than that because it's additive yeah it you know it, it doesn't affect anything else so let's talk about types now this, this is where we get get to have fun. So uh, if something sets a type directly, so say uh, something said all lands are creatures. I don't think anything says that. But if something did, um, if it said all lands are creatures, then those lands lose all types they already had. Yep. Um, and they, their new type is? Creature. Creature. That also means they will lose any relevant subtypes. So if you have a bunch of forests out, which have um, you know basic land forest, and something says all lands are creatures they are going to lose the uh, forest subtype because that subtype no longer applies because they are no longer lands. Uh, so n- now they would be basic creature nothing because this mythical card does not set a subtype for creatures. But 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 CJ, what about all of these man lands that become creatures um, but are somehow still lands? How does that work? 
Yep. So that's a different situation. <laughs> that's the answer. Yep. Yep. <laughs> they just work. Um, oh, okay. Uh, so, so in my example, it was all uh, all lands are creatures. Uh, in a man land, when you activate it, it says this this uh, card becomes you know a creature. Blah blah blah. Power and toughness gains flying for vigilance. Whatever. And then it also says at the end there, it's still a land. So a statement like it's still a land or a statement like, you know, all lands are creatures in addition to their other types, something like that means that it retains any and all types that it already had. Uh, where that gets tricky is um, is if it has additional types beyond that. So say you have a man land and uh, and the exact wording on a man land is I'm going to look it up. So I'm not talking about hypothetical cards, but I never know how to spell colonnade. Yes. All right. So Celestial Colonnade says, until end of turn, Celestial Colonnade becomes a 4-4 white and blue elemental creature with flying and vigilance. It's still a land. That's what the last sentence there says. So let's say through whatever means, we've made Celestial Colonnade an artifact. So it's an artifact land. And then we activate Celestial Colonnade. Uh, What are its final types? And the fact is, even though it just says it's still a land, that statement actually means Celestial Colonnade maintains all of its previous types. So if we uh, made it an artifact through some means and then we activate Celestial Colonnade, it will be an artifact, or our artifact Celestial Colonnade, it will be an artifact, land, creature, uh, elemental. elemental. So Contraption. Contraption, yes. Um, so to recap that a little bit, if, if something just sets something to a different type, it overwrites any types it already has. And if it says it maintains its other types or as it says it maintains the type it is right now, then it will keep all types it has. Uh, another another example I think is uh, the card conspiracy. Like here, it illustrates the card conspiracy versus the card uh, Xena Xenograft Xenograft Warrior Princess. Okay, yes, Xenograft Warrior Princess. They both look very very similar, but Xenograft uh, includes uh, the the text uh, in addition to its other types. So basically, what both cards do is when it comes into play or as it comes into play, you name a creature type. And then all creatures are the chosen type. Now, Conspiracy just stops right there. But Xenograft says, in addition to their other types. So if you name Goblin with both of those cards, okay, if you just have a Conspiracy in play, then all of your creatures are Goblins, period. With a Xenograft, you have Goblin Anteaters and Goblin uh, uh, Camels and Goblin Starfish. Yeah, so that's that's jumping into subtypes, but let's go ahead and talk about that a little bit more anyway. So, oh, like you were just okay. saying, subtypes work almost identical to types in this regard. Um, you know, if you're just setting a type, it is replacing the existing types. Uh, one thing to note is when you're setting a subtype, you're only replacing subtypes for that type. So, like, uh, let's use Dryad Arbor because she's really easy to go to. So she's right now a, a basic, I'm sorry, not basic. She's just a land creature forest Dryad. If you have Conspiracy out, it will... Uh, conspiracy say naming birds it will replace her type her creature type with bird but she maintains the forest type because this only affects creature types i mean maybe i'm i'm hammering this in too much but i i see it a lot where people ask if they lose the forest type as well but since that's a land type it's totally unaffected by something that changes creature types right it's just imagine like there's a little dotted line that attaches forest to land and a little dotted line that attaches uh, dryad to creature. And you can only change, well, if you change one, it doesn't affect the other. But if it was like forest, dryad, starfish, 
then you know you would get uh, dryad and starfish on a type changing effect. So Brian, I'm sure you want to talk about the weird exception to type changing effects and losing their um. Oh yeah, losing their okay. uh, other types. So this is this is this a is, fun one. This is weird. This is this is one of the ones that that this is uh this is how you know you got a rules nerd <laughs> on your hands when they know this this one. Um, so when we're talking about <clears throat> uh, it's like hey this land becomes an artifact creature it's still a land now we talked about how it's still a land is actually shorthand for it retains all of its creature types well for a reason i used to know but not anymore i was gonna say you've explained it to me before i have it has to do with old cards it does have to do with old cards and i think it had something to do with uh uh uh, mishra's factory (laughs) okay i want to say it had something to do with mishra's factory but if a land, if if um, if a card is explicitly made into an artifact creature, then it retains all of its other types, even if the card doesn't say so. So if we make like like Treetop Village, it says it becomes a green three three ape creature with trample. It's still a land. If it didn't have that, it's still a land. It would be a three three green ape creature. It would not be a land. Okay, with this is still land. It's also a, it's an ape land. Um, but if it said become a three three artifact creature, it doesn't need that. It's still a land line. Yeah, on it. And I know it just so I just checked uh, Mitra's factory, and I know someone's going to email us for no reason at all. Mitra's factory does still say it's still a land, but that line is completely unnecessary because of this rule. Right. I, I'm surprised and it says it. I don't uh, think. Yeah, Inkmoth Nexus, I think, says the same thing. Hmm. They and they do it. They do it for clarity because if they didn't include it, if they didn't include that little that little clarifying line, people would be like, "Oh, well, it's not a land anymore." So they include it, but it functionally has no rules meaning, uh, or it's or rather, it's redundant. It's not needed. It's unnecessary. And just like me saying it's unneeded and it's not necessary, they're redundant. Nice, nice and, little save there. Yeah, it is a nice save. Um, hammer that point home. Uh, it used to, it had something to do with they were like super paranoid about you being able to do something to people's lands and they wouldn't be able to cast spells. Uh, so they worked these rules into the into the actual core of the game that kind of prevent you from being able to do that kind of stuff. It's one of the reasons why you can't uh, uh, no one gets priority during untap is so that you can't actually like like screw over someone's mana before they have an opportunity to do something. So I just want to reiterate this. This isn't if something's turning an artifact into a creature, something has to turn something specifically into an artifact creature. Those two words have to be together. So if something says, you know, all artifacts are artifact creatures and you have like an enchantment artifact, like one of the new God's weapons, uh, that thing will be an enchantment artifact creature because of exactly this rule. And, uh, you know, what we can talk about is dark steel mutation. You guys remember that card from commander? Uh, yes. There's something weird about that. Yeah. So it was printed with the text enchanted creature is a zero one insect artifact creature with indestructible and loses all other abilities. There's those magic words. Uh, the moment it was printed, it was eroded because somebody missed this rule. And it now reads, Enchanted Creature is a 0-1 insect artifact creature with indestru- indestructible and loses all other abilities, card types, and creature types because they wanted it to lose the other types. But because they used the magic words of artifact creature together, it didn't initially do that. And uh, nobody caught it. What a silly rule. 
Yeah, so I I think they can probably get away with removing it. They've probably eroded enough other enough other cards, or they've probably eroded the cards enough now that that rule is superfluous. Yeah, I would have to go look back, but it, it's funny. It allows things like Darkstone mutation to happen. All right, so that is adding or removing. You know, saying adding types is actually pretty uh, misleading. We either change the, the the types or we replace the types. Really, like well, no, you can add it in addition to its other types. That's sorry. Not removing saying removing types is is sorry i misspoke there because you can't really either replace the types or or you can do in addition to its other types but you can't really remove a type like nothing says nameless inversion what does that boom do? what does that do removes all, removes all creature types oh fine it's the anti-change <laughs> you got it look at that you got it um so subtypes you, sure <laughs> <laughs> which nameless revert inversion removes is that it? Well, it's, also, Inversion? It's, also a tri- it's also a tribal. Ooh. We're just r- running all over the place. Uh, so subtypes, like we already mentioned, they work a lot like the types. You know, if, you, if you're if uh, you just setting a, a type, a subtype, then it will remove any other relevant subtypes. Uh, if, if a spell says, uh, tries to give a, a subtype to something that can't have that subtype, it does nothing. Uh, you can set up convoluted situations that would make that happen. Um, but Jess... Do, yeah, do you, sir. You want to talk about giving a land a basic land subtype? Because that's uh, wacky. Sure. <laughs> yeah, if you give a basic land a land subtype, um, then it gains the land subtype, but it, it it's really weird because it loses all of its abilities. So like, if, if now this isn't relevant if you're making one basic land a different basic land subtype. That's not a big deal, except that it will lose. Like if if you turn a forest into an island, it can't make green mana anymore. It can only make blue mana. And this is way more relevant when you do it to a non-basic land. Like if I have uh, a Lava Claw Reaches, which is a land from World Wake, uh, and I turn that into an island, then it loses all of its other abilities and becomes an island and can make blue mana, but it doesn't, it can't do anything else. You can just tap for blue mana because it's an island. Now, that doesn't make it a basic land. It doesn't give it the basic type. It just gives it a basic land subtype. Yeah, yeah yes. that's just another thing that's kind of hidden in the rules. I, I used to think uh, when I was younger that it would also change the name of the land. And I don't know where I got that from, but I'm going to clarify. No, you can definitely have a card that is named Forest that is an island. Yeah, exactly. So uh, that, that's a little thing to remember. Um, the Oh, so so the inverse of that, though, is exactly like we were saying before. If, if something says blah, 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 land is a forest in addition to its other types, all of that junk we were saying before uh, still happens and by that junk i mean the it keeps everything it had before and now it's just also a force so so it's important to always look out for this uh you know does it keep its existing types or not line and uh what's interesting about that is if something says like you know target target land is a force in addition to its other types um even if it has no other types it still keeps all of its existing abilities and just gains the tap to add a green mana to your mana pool that's interesting it is interesting to me i guess no, it kind of is. It's um, pretty cool. You can, like that you can that it's relevant even if it doesn't have types. Yeah, That's an interesting side point. Um, you can shut down those deserts though. Oh seas. man, that's the tech right there. Yeah. All right, Brian, you had a little bit more you wanted to add here. Okay. Yeah. So, so something that it it doesn't come up very very often, but it but when it does, it's kind of confusing. So, um, when talking about I don't come uh, up very often, but when I do, I'm confused. Yes. Um, so there are some text changing effects. There are cards like Mind Bend out there that says uh, change the text of target permanent by replacing all instances of one color word uh, with another or one basic land type with another. 
So you can actually change the text of a forest. So it's no longer basic land forest. It's now it now changes the text to basic land swamp. Okay. And what that does is though is the the when you get the game basically sees basic land swamp. So it can be a forest named basic land swamp and it will tap for black. So it's in a you know, basically or functionally, uh, in, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, it's basically a swamp or functionally a swamp, uh, uh, except for some corner case, some corner case situations and dealing with layers. Uh, but that's not actually a type changing effect. Uh, and you can do the same thing. There's a, there's a few cards from onslaught block that lets you change instances of a creature type word. Uh, that that allow you to you can change the 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 text of a card, which can function similar similarly to a a type changing effect. Interesting. But they but they occur in different layers. So apply the text first. Since we're talking about That's layers, we should probably add that um, if if you give a land a basic land subtype, we kept saying it loses its abilities, but it's it's losing the abilities in the type changing layer. It's not lose. It's not like it creates a separate effect that says lose these abilities. That applies in the in the uh, abilities layer. Um, that could yeah. trip people up sometimes. It's, it can. It's, and it's, if it's, you do not understand what CJ just said, please jump back and check our episode on layers. <laughs> yes, it's rules text associated with the type of the card. So uh, yeah, so it, it's not it's not a thing that's adding or removing abilities. Here's your homework. You could activate a mute vault, then make it an island and figure out what exactly that mute vault still is. That that could be everyone's homework. They can go work on that. And you might, you Lots might, of homework this episode. You might also discover why Mutavault does not grant Changeling to itself, if you think real hard about that one. Oh, I can tell you that, so they could reprint it. <laughs> also, it wouldn't work. Just make it work. I guess I should say, no, it wouldn't work because Changeling is an ability which would be granted in uh, layer... Graphic control text type colors. Abilities. Six. six. <laughs> uh, whereas uh, what Changeling does is a CDA affects types which is set much earlier so it, it would get changeling but it would actually not have all types and that would be very confusing and bad all right you guys have anything else you want to talk about types no actually i don't yeah i think i think we got it. i think we nailed it uh, news we have a new level three we always have a new level three um to talk about uh, this is evan cherry from texas oh, drop my pen is that is that who it is i heard it was someone else <laughs> So one of the schedules that was printed at Grand Prix Phoenix had uh, had Evan Cherry listed on it as Cherry Evans. That's a sweet name. It is. Yeah, that it was, is. That was yes. amusing. Uh, I also want to talk a little briefly about uh, Star City Games has announced a new Judge Rewards program. Um, and you can get like a shirt or like a play mat, but who cares about any of that? If you have 400 points, you can get... 400 or 500? 400. It's 400. Oh, I'm much closer. I'm a whole hundred closer. <laughs> yep. You can get tokens made with your image on them, uh, judge tokens, and you get 500 of them if you get them made, which I saw like someone who won uh, one of the Star City games. I think it's the Invitationals. Someone was like, I only got 50 for winning the Invitational. So, uh, or you, you Star City Grand. 
well, these are uh, the judge points are different than the the player points. Sure, but you have to win. Whatever. Um, How many points do you guys have? I have one twenty-five. I have two fifty-five. So dang, I've got like seventy-five. Yeah. So at this rate, I did the math. Like, if I keep attending Star City events about as often as I do now, I will have tokens in nine years, guys. <laughs> so, so judges judges are now eligible for custom tokens. Redeem four hundred judge reward points, and we will work with you to create a custom token with your image to be distributed to all judges at future StarCityGames.com Open Series events. The judge redeeming. Uh, for the tokens will also receive 500 copies of the token for personal use um so before their big their big cash out of the points was airfare to an event yeah but that um, that basically meant in the u.s because star city yeah but but this for some for some reason like i understand dollar value wise the flight is probably more monetarily valuable but Having 500 tokens created, custom art, you help design it, and then other judges, I guess, basically have to take them when they get their, <laughs> when they get their Star City con- like, like they're gonna open up their little pack, their little pack of judge goodies with their one month of premium, and they're just gonna pull out a bunch of pictures with CJ's face on it. Yes, that is the dream. In uh, nine that's years. actually really cool, though. Like, it is. It's it's it has a value of something like I can buy my own plane ticket. Right. You know? I can't. I can't make CJ Schrader carry around a picture of me in his pocket all day. You just send me one. I'll do it. Oh, okay. <laughs> I can't make Jess carry around a picture of me in his pocket all day. Maybe we, maybe we need a, 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 ju- a not Judge Cast, a, a Kickstarter to make Judge Cast tokens. Nope. <laughs> I, I'm <laughs> down. I like it. Uh, so one, one other thing of note, when they announced these, uh, the points changes, uh, they have altered the compensation model. Uh, I know the Star City has a lot of events, so this is this is kind of relevant. So um, level level one judges, uh, what what they what they used to do is for each day you worked, you got two quote unquote compensation units. And, and that was across the board. Yeah, that was across the board. Uh, and a compensation unit was equivalent to seventy some dollars in cash or ninety some dollars. You could redeem uh credit. you could redeem a compensation unit for seventy two dollars or seventy Six. yeah, seventy two dollars in cash. And I don't know what the amount for credit is because I never took that option. <laughs> it was like in the ninety well what what they've done is so for level two judges, that's unchanged. Okay, so for each day you work you will receive two uh compensation units. Uh, for level one judges, uh, that is now 1.5 compensation units, and for level three and up judges, it's 2.5 compensation units. Um, so this is this is a a relatively recent change. Uh, you can go to CJ. Can we include the link to yeah, our yeah. show? Yeah. It'll so so they have they have they have justification posted up there. Uh, you can you can read it. And agree with it or not agree with it, uh, and leave comments. Um, but it is what it is. Yep. All right, guys. I'm ready for some emails. You ready for some emails? Definitely ready. So some people have been lamenting lately that we don't do the mailbag anymore. By people, you mean Pe- people? <laughs> One. I, right? I don't mean my cats. No. No. Um, no. A few people. A few people. I, I think Doctor Science 
and then I know one in our emails. Yeah. Anyway, we're still not doing it. None of us are doing it. So let's jump right into the emails. Mailbag! <laughs> See, I fell on that sword. I'll do it. Uh, <laughs> first comes from Justin. He says, oh, the title is very important and frequently asked question. Hey, guys, Platinum Angel during sudden death. And that's it. So when he says sudden death here, he means uh, you're in a single uh, time, single elimination tournament and uh, you've just passed turn five. So we talked about this, I think, last episode where you add the state based action of um, if one player has a lower life total, they lose the game. Platinum Angel reads you can't lose the game and your opponents can't win the game. So uh, it's it's pretty basic. It works how Platinum Angel always works. Um, even though you have less life than your opponent, you still can't lose the game. Platinum Angel still is overriding that. So you're just going to keep playing until either you beat your opponent or the Platinum Angel dies. That's it. Everyone, yep. everyone cool with that? Yeah, that one's pretty easy. Uh, Aaron emails us. Aaron Gansky. Gansky. Uh, he says, so we mentioned this earlier. He says, really, you guys need an acronym for at sorcery speed? I would suggest one, but I feel ASS might not be what you're hoping for. How many times have you heard that one already? Honestly, he was the first and only. Um, I can tell you. You, you were the first. You get the shout out. I am regularly hoping for ASS. All right, next. <laughs> wow. <laughs> uh, David. All right. <laughs> David Kreavenegas uh, has emailed us. Uh, he's emailed us quite a few times. Uh, he's the one who Brian Prilliman is his favorite, and I will never forget that. Yes. Um, oh, yeah, he said, I've noticed recently a sudden lack of annoying mailbag chanting. Is this deliberate? Um, he also said, also, this mail is just me calling myself a satisfied customer. Yesterday, I approved my L1 test with a near-perfect score. Uh, all the while, when I doubted myself, I could almost hear your voices in ghostly whispers, much like Obi-Wan hears Obi-Wan, uh, much like Luke hears Obi-Wan while piloting. Um, I'm going to skip what he said here because it was actually incorrect. But then he said, <laughs> you know, he's talking about statuses, and he's like, much like tapped. Well, then, long story short, I'm very thankful for the work you put in for the community. Um, as, and as long as none of you have six fingers in one hand, I'll keep listening as I begin working towards L2. Is that Princess well, Bride? Well, yeah. yeah. What if we, have, if we have seven fingers on one hand, does that also count as having six fingers on one hand? Well, it probably does, but it makes you not the six-fingered man because you're the seven-fingered man. Well, I mean, I have six fingers on one hand. I mean, are, we counting, are we counting the thumb? Is the thumb a finger? Does that count? Okay, so he had a question as well. <laughs> um, he says, uh, I understand how replacement effects that change how a permanent enters the battlefield happen. For example, there is no time in the battlefield when a clone is just a clone or a card uh, with a pay tribute doesn't have the counters on it, to my understanding. Uh, but since cards can't exist outside the game zones, where exactly are the cards when the counters are, on, are placed or the effect applies? In the stack? In the battlefield? In the blind eternities? Uh, well, thanks a lot. And hashtag bring back mailbag. Do you guys have an answer to this? Because I was basically like, they just are. Like, yeah. they're, they're yeah. not there when, in, like, let's say it's a card with tribute and they, and they choose to uh, pay the tribute. So it's going to come in with counters. Um, they're not there when it's on the stack and they definitely are there when it's on the battlefield. Yeah, there's there's no really in between. There's no real in between spot. Yeah. So so yeah, the, there's no like the the game. It's not like you put it into play and then you put some counters on. The game views it all as one atomic action that happens simultaneously. Yeah. The counters it exists in one moment on the stack with no counters, and then the next moment it exists on the battlefield with two counters. Yeah. Or three or seven or the, whatever the w- happens to be the case the way i've, I've kind of I've, I've explained this in the past is counters are like we we use physical items to represent them but in reality they're they're really just to help with memory tracking so it, it's just like 
you can almost abstract them out a little bit from a from a physical representation of something, you know, and just be like, oh, this enters the battlefield with with three counters on it. Well, it's got it's got three memory things on it, and we just use little beads or dice or whatever to represent those. Can I use little pieces of memory foam? <laughs> yes. I like that a lot. <laughs> our uh, our next email is from Chris Pyre, another frequent emailer. Um, he's got some actually really great questions here. So he says he opens it up with "Hello, favorites." I like that. Um, a few questions for you because what's life without questions? So we'll go through these one at a time, and I'll grab the first one because if you don't have the rules in front of you, it's actually kind of tough. Um, he has titles for him. So number one is, would you tap that? Uh, Arnie controls a flood tide serpent enchanted with observant alsaid. Uh, he taps with a serpent. Does the serpent tap if observant alsaid is the enchantment being returned to hand? Similar question. If the enchantment is in aqueous form, does Arnie get to scry? So flood tide oh. serpent is that weirdo. Uh, and he reads flood tide serpent can't attack unless you return an enchantment you control to its owner's hand. Um, so the alsaid, Al- alsaid uh, gives it vigilance. Um, so, so the way attacking works, like this, this never comes up. This isn't something people are quizzed on, but there actually are steps to attacking, just like there are steps to casting a spell. Um, and at the end of all of these steps, the, the creature becomes attacking, just like a spell becomes cast. Uh, I'm going to summarize the steps, uh, but they are all there in the CR if someone really cares about them. Um, usually they never matter, but this weirdo has started to make them matter. So that's where we are, but... Uh, in summary, you, you choose which creatures you're going to have attack. Some other junk happens. Then you tap the creatures if they don't have vigilance. Then you pay any costs that are required to be paid to attack. Then some other junk again. And finally, the creatures will be attacking. So what happens here is, if, if uh, you're paying attention, um, we tap the creatures before we pay costs. And Flood Tide Serpent has a cost on him that says you have to return an enchantment you control to his owner's hand. Um, so as far as the uh, Alsaid works, uh, it will have vigilance when we were supposed to tap the creature, so the creature will not become tapped. So that's cool for that. Uh, it's bad news for Aqueous Form, though, because we pay the cost before the creature is actually attacking, has become attacking. So in that case, and uh, Aqueous Form reads, when enchanted creature attacks, scry one. Um, this was already back in the player's hand before the creature became attacking, so you do not get to scry. All right. Ooh. It's a lot. That serpent is weird. Yep. All right. The next I'll question. Ta- <laughs> I'll, I'll tackle this one. Okay, it's all yours. Is uh, is Oof. Arnie controls a Kiora the crashing way? Don't forget his cute his cutesy title. Yes, I'm sorry. The title is the worst Kiora counter. <laughs> uh, last turn, Nick cast Armageddon. Nick now controls no permanence. Can Arnie use Kiora's plus one ability? And for reference, Kiora the Crashing Waves plus one ability is until your next turn, prevent all damage that would be dealt to and dealt by target permanent an opponent controls. This is a great question. And the answer is no. No, you cannot. Because there is no target permanent an opponent controls to target. Uh, just it isn't there. There are no legal targets for this ability, so you cannot activate it. I think uh, when they designed that, they basically assumed you would always have a target. I mean, they almost always have a land, right? Uh, right. So, so this is this is different than a Johnny Caller of the Pride, whose plus one ability is put a plus one plus one counter for add a loyalty is the is the cost, but the effect is put a plus one plus one counter on up to one target creature. So in that particular case, you can plus him without there being a creature on the battlefield because it's up to one. So you can do for zero creatures. 
Right. So that might be that might be the source of people thinking that you can. It maybe. could be. Yeah, it could be. Maybe, maybe. But I doubt this comes up for real. All right, Brian, I know the next one is piqued your curiosity. Oh, really? <laughs> uh, okay, so the question is, number three is titled, I missed this interaction. How does it work in multiplayer? Question mark. Um, Arnie is in a four-player game. He controls Lobber Crew, Enchanted with Curiosity. Oh, man, I got to look up these cards. Lobber Crew reads, Lobber Crew deals one damage to each opponent. Yeah, it's a tap ability. All right, thank you. So Lobber Crew deals one damage to each opponent, and Curiosity is whenever this creature deals damage to an opponent, you draw a card? Yes. Okay, Arnie activates Lobber Crew's ability. Does he draw one card or three? You draw three. What? So the trigger, yeah. So the trigger condition is not when Lobber Crew does damage, but when it deals damage to an opponent. How many? How many times did it deal? It, it dealt. It dealt damage to that opponent. That opponent to that opponent. That's three. That's pretty sweet. So, yep. Good for you. Uh, finally, he asked if any of us are going to be at GP Philly, and I believe the answer is no this weekend. Okay. I'm sure. Nope. Jess isn't going to back to back Phoenix into Philly, so. Phoenix into Philly sounds like a great plan, but I'm not doing it. <laughs> uh, sorry, I was thinking of like a Rise Again joke, but what? No. All right, last email from Dan Shaw. Uh, he said, I was listening to the podcast. Uh, oh, he's listening to the podcast about the steps of casting a spell. And he had a question about the CR Rewind. Um, he said, I'll stick with Doomblade, as it was the example used in the original cast. So I understand that I say, bam, Doomblade, you're Black Knight. Oh, crap. Technically, I haven't finished casting the the spell, so I untap the appropriate lands, put it back in my hand, and move on. At regular, anyway, I competitive its judge call, and my sloppy play is noted. Um, Which, I mean, if I'm sitting right there, I'm just going to be like, put it back in your hand. I'm not going to make a big deal about it. All right, here's my question. At competitive or professional, if I'm playing deliberately, if I just say Doomblade, lay it out and start looking at the board, is there a point in the casting process before targeting where I'm free to reverse myself? Uh, maybe there are legal targets and I decide they are unfavorable, or I notice that my opponent's creature can give itself hexproof or whatever. Or is it out uh, always a violation of the rules to announce the spell and not complete it? So uh, the one thing I want to throw in here is that he mentions uh, a point in the casting process before targeting it. Um, there is only one point before targeting, and that is announcing, which he has done at this point. That was a lie. You choose mode second. I don't know. I'm all over the place. <laughs> I gotta go listen to our episode again, apparently. So there isn't... This is an interesting question, because technically the answer is, well, no, there's no point at which you can just decide to back up. But if you haven't completed casting the spell yet, you're probably going to be fine going, Doomblade, I'm not casting a Doomblade. But there isn't a hard and fast rule about that. And the reason there's not a hard and fast rule about that is that that's going to be entirely situational based on what happened. If I said Doomblade, tapped two lands, and pointed at your guy, and then went, well, I haven't said a target yet, (laughs) it's still pretty clear that I've cast the spell. Right. So the best bet is always going to be just think about what you're going to do and then take the action, rather than think about what you're going to do while taking the action. Like if you if you look at if you look at uh, players playing you know on coverage, a lot of times one of them will just tap uh, uh, tap some mana, lay a doomblade down on the table, and the opponent will just pick up a creature and put it in the yard, and they'll bend the the doomblade, you know. And there's no verbal communication in there at all. Well, what are we gonna do? We're we gonna swoop in and say like, oh no, you didn't declare a target for that doomblade. We're gonna rewind all that back up. Uh, no. So yeah, that's so, that's not happening. Yeah. So basically, um, yeah. If think about think about what you're going to cast before you cast it. Don't like lay it out there and then start hemming and hawing. 
or trying to gauge your opponent's reaction as you're like, oh, well, I could do this. And right, because then, then you get into territory where everybody gets uncomfortable and we have awkward situations. Yeah. Cool. Well, that's all the emails. Feel great, feeling loose, feeling limber. Uh, if you'd like to contact us, you can email us at judgecast at hey, gmail.com. Hey, hold on, hold on. Before you go on, weren't you on another podcast recently? I was really going to mention that right after I said all this. Oh, were you? Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, Twitter, Judgecast. Facebook, Judgecast. Okay. Uh, yeah, I was on another podcast recently with uh, Aaron Lacuse, our guest last episode. Uh, it was on episode, I want to say, 53 of Card Advantage. It was. And uh, it was a very cool episode because I got to go on and talk about magic flavor, which is something I really like talking about. Um, I have, I mean, I've been reading these novels my whole life. Uh, they are some of the earliest fantasy books I ever read were the magic novels, and I own all of them except a couple of the Legends ones because um, they're too expensive to buy now and they're not in ebook form. But beyond that, I've owned all of them. I've read all of them. I've read every Uncharted Realms. Like, I, I, I've always really been into this stuff. Uh, so I was glad that I got an opportunity to talk about it, and I had a lot of fun. Their show is uh, really good. I'm, I'm actually a really big fan of Card Advantage, and I think others should go out there and listen. The, uh, the basic premise of Card Advantage is, as far as I can tell, they take a magic topic and just talk about it exhaustively. So where we're always at least talking about the rules, like uh, there was an episode I was listening to and I was like, wow, they've been on this tangent about the card frame for a long time. And then I realized the whole episode was about the card frame. And maybe that's not cool to everyone, but that's really cool to me. <laughs> it's like the entire history of the card frame. Um, I don't know. I thought that was very cool. Uh, yeah, so each each episode is about something a little different, but they they really do their homework and they and they go in real deep. So I'm a big fan of the show. And uh, and and listening to the episode, you you guys felt that we talked, uh, or they felt that we talked too much about uh, the relative size of Colossal Whale. Yes, when you seen that new guy, the six six. Which new guy? The new one in uh in, in Journey into Nyx. I have not. I don't... Am I gonna have problems? Yeah. Well, yeah, because he's uh, clearly much bigger than a boat. Um, but he's clearly also way smaller than Colossal Whale, but he's a 6'6". A scourge of fleets. Like, he's obviously way what smaller the... than Colossal Come Whale. Come on, guys. This is frustrating. This is frustrating at this point. <laughs> I love how you're, like, comforting each other. Like, no, 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 I understand. It's, it's, <laughs> it's bad. It's really bad. This is really this bad. Is, yeah, this is. This is. This is. Someone's asleep. Someone's asleep at the wheel. <laughs> Creative team should be fired. Letting the slip. Yeah, it's the Colossal Whale conspiracy. And I know someone out there is going to go look at Colossal Whale and be like, well, it's not that big. But then look to the right of that boat and you see the much tinier boat. And that's where you start to see what we're talking about. That a full ship is uh, much, much smaller than Colossal Whale's eyeball, much less the whale itself. And it's a 5-5. Right. Now, let me ask. Let me ask this, CJ. Another flavor question. Okay, please do. Um, Bitty Kitty, Milkshake, Battle Cat. Yes. Are any of them a 1-1 one, one, or a 1-2? Um, well, Bitty Kitty would be a 1-1. One, one. Really? Yeah, what would you? Why? Well, I mean, a Bitty Kitty, Bitty Kitty can take out, a, a like, a human soldier? Well, that's just how magic works. So, yes. Yes, also, magic physics, most humans are 1-1s. One, but if you were in Averbrook and you have three mayors, you can survive a lightning bolt. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> oh, well, I mean, I mean, there's a lot of paperwork that that lightning bolt has to pull out. <laughs> it's true. It's, it's just kind of... It's kind of weaker by the time it gets there with three uh, mares yeah i'd say milkshake is a two one because he's old so he's a little weaker but he's vicious 
and uh, Battle Cat. I'd put him at as an O2. He would hurt. He wouldn't hurt a soul, but he's chubby, so he gets that <laughs> extra toughness. I want to make a joke for the mayors. I want to make a, a joke about the three party system. That mayor's thing is really funny. <laughs> I just love because they have three mayors. All of a sudden, lightning bolts don't hurt them. That's a great world. <laughs> all right. Magic physics. Magic it's, physics. That works. All right. I think that's enough. Jibba jabba. Anything else you guys want to add? Did I say Card Advantage's website? Cardadvantagecast.com. I'll put a link in the show notes as well. Nothing else? Nope. Nothing else. All right. Well, i like to thank all the listeners for listening. I um. Uh, I enjoyed this show. I don't know why I enjoyed it more than others. Not to say I don't enjoy the other shows. Whatever. My name's CJ Schrader. I keep it fair. I'm Jess Dunks. I keep it fun. I'm Brian Prillman. I keep all my original types. So I've spent the last hour going to every room in my house and uh, recording a little snippet and seeing which one sounds the best because... I, I know I always have this echo in, in the office where I am now. Yeah. And uh, the actual, absolute best room is my master closet, my walk-in closet. Because <laughs> I read somewhere that would work because it basically has insulation against the walls, right? It has clothes everywhere. That is true, yes. Unfortunately, I'm not willing to do that. No? I also read that you could put like a heavy comforter over you and the microphone. Um, but once again, that's going to get way too hot. And like the next best place is my attic, which is unfinished. Um, but it's actually really nice uh, for recording, but it would only work like today because it has no air conditioning and no heating. So it'd be miserable pretty soon. So there's my sweet results. I I appreciate the effort <laughs> and I appreciate the thoroughness in, I mean, the closet That's uh, and the unfinished attic. Those are all... Uh... Now, now I'm going to have to go find a closet. <laughs> Yeah, use you, you know if you have a, like a walk-in closet with clothes in it. Hold on, hold on. Here we go. Here we go. Here's what I'm gonna. You guys can hear me right now while I'm talking. I'm getting under a blanket. All right. Okay. So is, is that what we're doing today? <laughs> well, hold on, hold on. I'm completely under a blanket right now. Does it sound better or worse? Is the microphone with you? Yeah, it's on my head. Oh. And my head is under the blanket along with the rest of me. Hey. Is this better or worse? Okay. It, so it might is, be slightly this, better. <laughs> hold this on. Is without, this is without the blanket. Yeah. This is with the blanket. All right, it sounds the exact same. Okay, it sounds the exact same. All right. Okay, now this oh listener. Now I gotta try this. Holy crap! Okay, this has to go at the end of the show. I also here since we're doing this. This has I also to go at the end of the show. took my pillow from upstairs, and now I'm going to put it over the microphone. <laughs> this is the dumbest thing. And uh, so the pillowcase <laughs> is going over the microphone, so the the pillow itself will be behind the microphone. Here we go. So this will be noisy. Okay. All right, and now I'm talking through my pillow, and I'm not gonna lie, I think it sounds a little better. I do, I do think it sounds a little bit better. <laughs> Isn't that insane? But I, wow. I, I hadn't finished testing uh, all the things here, but yeah, I'm talking right through the pillowcase. So, so I see, I see people with these microphones with the little fuzzy things on the end, and I always think that like, oh, they got a triple stuck on the microphone. That's dumb. Yeah. But I guess, I guess it really does work. I, yeah, I don't know what that's for exactly. So okay. I, re I removed hey, the Jess, pillow. Are you, are you under your blanket now? Oh, okay, so so this is me not under a blanket. Okay. Okay, hold on. Let me let me switch. <laughs> I love the blanket noise. This is this is me under a blanket. Is it better? I think it's a little bit better. <laughs> I'm right. not going to do the whole podcast under a blanket. It gets hot fast. Trust me. Does, I was just doing gets, tests. It does I'm gonna get try hot. the pillow thing. Let's see how that goes. It has to have a pillowcase. It's very important. So I also think if I take the pillow and I kind of just wrap it around the back, so kind of like this, I actually think that'll help me a lot too. 
but I hadn't tested that one yet before I realized it was 9.03 and I needed to call you guys. My microphone is attached to my headset, and so I'm not willing to strap a pillow to my head. Well, I guess you don't care about JudgeCast. I, I guess not, right? Okay, this is this is me with a pillow behind the microphone and the pillowcase over the microphone. You sound damn clear. Yeah, you sound pretty I'm not going to lie. sound better? Yeah, I think you do. Yeah, you do. I believe that because my room is extremely echoey. Yeah, but you don't sound as bad as me. Like, I, I paid attention to it. Um, that's funny. This whole thing will go at the end. This has to go at the end. Uh, <laughs> this, this is me under a blanket. This is me not under a blanket.